big pizza pie that's morning When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine that's morning That's right, today we'll be covering 1987's Moonstruck. My World Was Rocked in 1987 by Shelley Long leaving Cheers. During the commercials for the show, I saw a lovable pit bull named Spuds McKenzie drinking Budweiser. And I was in a twilight period in pop culture consumption where I could enjoy both the Predator and Three Men and a Little Baby. (laughs) Yeah, man. So uh, today, you know, as always, I'm Gabe. I'm Sammy. And uh, when we cover this movie, we like to cover what was going on in pop culture and what we were consuming right at that moment in time. Uh, I wasn't watching movies like Moonstruck in 1987. Uh, Like I said, (laughs) a movie I did see in the theater that year was The Three Men and a Little Baby. Um, And I saw it because Danson and Gutenberg were in it. It's just Three Men and a Baby. Is it? What (laughs) do they call it? Three Men and a Little Baby seems redundant. (laughs) Three Men and a Tiny Baby. Three Men and a Normal-Sized Baby. (laughs) Yeah, dude. A little microscopic baby in a Petri dish that they carried around with them. Mm. Like a a Right to Life group being like, look, it's a zygote. Wow. This this zygote has a soul. Right. Uh, In a very different movie. Very different film. Yeah. Yeah, three guys that didn't know which one of them caused the conception, mm. stopping a woman from having an abortion. <laughs> <laughs> Just you got to carry it to full term. We'll take care of it. Oh man, uh, this uh, <laughs> I. Uh, but I, dude, I lo- I love Gutenberg. I love Danza, uh, dancing at this time. Uh, Tom Selleck though, not a huge fan. See, that's the only one I really did like at that time. Yeah, fuck Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's Police Academy. Yeah, Police. I mean, Police Academy was uh, propaganda. Look, to... dude, if you're the star <laughs> in a movie and you get literally uh, out out acted by Bobcat Goldthwait, your career is toast, <laughs> outshined. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really funny. I'm imagining them playing a game of pickup basketball yeah. and just Bobcat, just like you know, doing crossovers on him. Yeah, uh, pick and rolls. Lay. <laughs> couldn't act and had massive speech impediments and what appeared to be Bell's palsy just acted you and just stole the movie right from under you and a retired football player and a dude that was named after a cartoon a comic strip what was a Tackleberry Tackleberry Hound yeah I, you know uh, I don't know if they could make a police academy today I'm sure they could. They'll, they'll make it worse somehow because that's what they do. Somehow, uh, like a like a Blue Lives Matter version of Police Academy. Oh man! So they did. It was called The Departed, <laughs> and it was better. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So let's. Uh, all right. So we're covering Moonstruck. Just to clarify, that's right. We're not covering this Three is... Men and a Baby. No, Gabe just came out of the gate like a fucking thoroughbred. <laughs> Taking no quarter. Uh, well, another movie that I saw around this time period that I had no business seeing was Fatal Attraction. I'm actually surprised you saw that. Uh, you know what? That's not true. My dad took me to see Die Hard in 87, <laughs> and I don't think he gave a shit. He's like, you're coming with me. I was like, all right, cool. I must have seen it on VHS. <laughs> I definitely didn't see it in the movie theater. Uh, Die Hard? Or no, Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, who knows? It was just on. I liked uh, Michael Douglas. I liked him from movies like Romancing the Stone, mm-hmm. and I had no idea that he was going to be in this film. Uh, with uh, Glenn Close jumping out of a bathtub with a knife in her hand and him, and him having to shoot her. Yeah. Strangle and shoot her. And also she boils a bunny rabbit in that she movie. Does. 
So I had a friend from England, and he uh, said that they called women that were uh, stalkers bunny boilers. Oh, she's a bunny boiler. Before the movie? Right after the film. Oh, okay. So like this sort of idea of, uh, uh, watch out with her, she looks like a stalker. Okay. Bunny boiler. So that's just like a, a colloquialism. After that's that's right. Spawned after the fact. Okay. Eighty-seven people were listening to "Walk Like an Egyptian," or, or they were. Yeah, Bangles. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get enough of it. Belinda Carlisle. Uh, and who knew what Egyptians actually walked like? Yeah, I mean, apparently uh, bow-legged and like a splay-footed walk. <laughs> um, uh, another, uh, some other uh, hits. Uh, Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Mm-hmm. Loved who, her during that period. Because who doesn't want to dance with somebody? So much better than. Uh, Dancing Alone, Tina Turner style. It's so sad. Well, that was just Private Dancer. A lo- that's a great song, though. <laughs> Private Dancer, day. Dancing for Money. Yep. Do What You Want Me to Do. Do What You Want Me to Do. Uh, and then, yeah, I spent a lot of time at home watching TV during this time period as well. Uh, Married with Children was the jam. Mm, great show. Watching Bud and Christina Applegate. Kelly Bundy. Yes, ma'am. And uh, Star <clears throat> Trek, Next Generation. Sure. Yeah, the holodeck. Okay. <laughs> Data. Did not, well, I'm not a, not a science fiction guy, I'll reiterate. Yeah. I, that was not my... Uh, that was a blind spot for yeah, you. Yeah, a total blind spot. I don't know why, what it is about science fiction, it just never appealed to me. It just seems so fraudulent. Did you wear uh, flip-top uh, glasses? No, ever? I, I wasn't an asshole or a party dog in a fucking <laughs> Budweiser commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, this was the year they became really popular because of A Different World. And oh, because Dwayne Wayne, right. <laughs> Kadeem Hardison. Kadeem Hardison rocked those things, too. That's I think right. he was the one that rocked them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, and then two important, uh, one death, Andy Warhol. Okay. So, no more soup can paintings. Uh, yeah. And uh, one birth, Evan Rachel Wood. Okay. Uh, who, you know, is out right now in Westworld. So. Right. Rocking it. The Lord takes and the Lord giveth. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of a, a pop culture context, 1987. Right. Uh, you have any current events that were happening during that time period? Um, political current events, sure. I mean, you know, there was the Jim Baker scandal. Jim Baker was like the first televangelist who was uh, sort of, you know, preaching virtue and was caught in a sex scandal with a woman named Jessica Hahn or one of his assistants. Okay, so it was a woman, though. He wasn't, like, getting blowjobs from dudes in bathrooms. No, I mean, he, 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 he certainly could have been, but this was definitely a, 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 a heterosexual affair, I guess. Oh, so and this he, was like a Pee Wee League scandal. Well, it was just the first big one that rattled uh, evan- evangelicals to the core, shook the very <laughs> foundation of what, what, the, <laughs> what the Lord giveth and then the Lord taketh away. He gave a, a nation of evangelicals yeah. goosebumps. Yeah. He wrote from the, <laughs> read from the book of Hipp- Hippocrates. <laughs> Got you. Uh, oh, yeah, the Iran-Contra scandal was also uh, popping off around this time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, never, l- lest we forget, the United States government was uh, selling selling arms to the... Who were they selling arms to? Iran. Hell yeah. For money. For money. That's so right. So that they, they could fund the Contras. Right. Who were fighting... Uh, the, were the right-wing insur- insurgents. Right. Fighting against the Sandinistas, the uh, left-leaning progressive government of Nicaragua. That's right. And there may have also been some, like, cocaine smuggling happening. May have been. I would yeah. say probably 80% chance. Yeah, 100% chance that the CIA was also flooding the streets of South Central L.A. with crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was somehow entwined in this scandal. 
Unbelievable. But you'll have to Google that to figure out exactly uh, how all those uh, dots get connected. A different discussion for a different podcast. I know, because we've got to spend most of the podcast here talking about fantastic stars like Olympia Dukakis. Yeah. Uh, Danny Aiello. The one and only Nicolas Cage. Yep. And the immortal share. Mm, immortal. Immortal, man. She has got to be just drinking water full of stem cells. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Or just, you know. She doesn't age. It does not age. It's a lot of work done. Cool. Under, so Under the hood. Uh, when we come back, we'll jump right into Moonstruck. All right. So Moonstruck, 1987's Moonstruck. A feel-good white ethnic romp is, I guess, a good way to put it. Like if The Sopranos was first pitched to the Oxygen Network or Lifetime, this is kind of what it would feel like. Uh, so movie centers around a uh, 37-year-old uh, bookkeeper who's played by Cher named Loretta Camer... What was her last name? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just call, we're going to call her Loretta yeah. uh, for the rest of this podcast uh, so that we don't butcher the, the names. Yeah. Um, but, a lot uh, of vowels. I, I like that you said a 37-year-old. Yeah. Uh, so uh, by 1987 standards, one foot in the grave. Yeah, literally a, spinster, a spinstress. Who uh, so she is a uh, a bookkeeper has her has has everything together for the most part except for you know in her love life where she's been dating a character played by Danny Aiello. That's right, Johnny played by Danny Aiello. Johnny Aiello, who's not a bad guy per se, but just you know he's not the right guy. <laughs> um, so the, you know they're dating. He they're you know at, at an Italian restaurant, which I guess is a concurrent theme. This is a very Italian uh, American New York story. He proposes. She. Sort of, not begrudgingly, but accepts the proposal. Yeah. She's 37. She's a little worried. She's got gray hairs. She's, you know, concerned that she doesn't want to spend the rest of her life alone. So she becomes, you know, the fiancé to Danny Aiello. And uh, the movie sort of takes off from there. Yeah, so so uh, she gives him a month mm-hmm. to get his affairs in order. and With his Dan- sick, sick mother. His sick mother is on her deathbed in Sicily, so he flies back there, leaving her alone for uh, what presumably is going to be a month of her planning the wedding. Correct. Uh, she lives at home with her family. Her full family. And uh, Danny Aiello's one request is that she contact his brother, Ronnie, who's played by Nicolas Cage. Great, Nicolas Cage. Uh, and so that, um, so that Ronnie will be present at the wedding. And now... Well, they, they've had a sort of estranged uh, past... And uh, he wants to sort of uh, reach out and reconcile with his brother. Yes. And so uh, Cher's character, Loretta, is going to be the intermediary um, who's going to bridge the, uh, the gap between these two brothers. And uh, we, she meets uh, Ronnie, again played by Nicolas Cage. We're going to call him Nick Cage from now on. And, or Ghost Rider. And, uh, <laughs> you know, hilarity and a romance ensue as sparks fly between Loretta... Cher, and Nicolas Cage. There we go. All right. Moonstruck. Moonstruck. And to be moonstruck is to uh, fall in love um, when there's a magical full moon out. So anybody who is in a relationship, maybe a committed one, maybe a monogamous one, uh, you can always blame the moon if you uh, fall in love with a rando. Right. And uh, decide to have a one-night stand with them and then get caught by your partner. Just be like, babe, I was moonstruck. That's all. You get out of it. Free pass. So we have, uh, so this this film is starring some, some heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, some um, 
at the apex of their career and some uh, closer to the beginning of their career. So just getting started, yeah. Yeah, totally. So we had uh, Nick Nicholas Cage, who uh, this same year did Raising Arizona. Right. And uh, these are two two huge roles for him. Big roles. Uh, he was still uh, funny. <laughs> I he was great, man. Like he he was definitely intense, but not taking himself uh, that seriously. Yeah, I just I don't even know if he ever. Yeah, I mean it's it's true. I don't know if he ever took himself that seriously. I mean he's he's always had some decent like comedic timing, and I feel like you know, I, I mean it's hard to uh, like his. I mean his, his movies now are unlikable and for the most part unwatchable. <laughs> But but I mean, he's always the best thing in those movies because he has to be. But Nicolas Cage was you know he's you give him the right role, man. That guy is as good as anybody. Yeah, when he yeah. Finds it. yeah. Yeah, these that, like <clears throat> what I liked is all of these early roles. The whole film is good. Everything about it is good. Yeah, like he's amazing in Raising Arizona. He's great wow, that's in this. A great movie. Yeah, but the rest of the film also holds up. Yeah, and uh, he. Uh, well, I was doing a little Wikipedia uh, research on him. Mm-hmm. Owned castles. Yeah, he uh, had a horrendous spending habit. <laughs> That's why he's doing literally every movie they, they sell to him now. Yeah, um, pretty awesome though. I mean, that's uh, I, I strive to one day own my own castles. Yeah, he just started, you know, spending frivolously, and now he's sort of sacrificing his many talents for uh, pay off his debts. Was also married to Elvis's daughter. Ended up in a messy divorce. Mm-hmm. Also married to Patricia Arquette. Messy divorce. <laughs> So basically, Nick Cage has been hemorrhaging money since the mid '80s. Oh man! But he has lived a full life. Yeah, he's he's great. Uh, okay, so we we've got him in here, and we've got uh, oh another uh, Danny Aiello. Mm-hmm. Loved him in The Professional. He oh he uh, was the, was he the cop? He plays the uh, the mobster who hires right. the professional John Renault. That's right. That's right. Danny Aiello also do the right thing. Excellent. You know, he improved a lot of that and wrote a lot of the scenes between him and John Turturro. Oh, did he really? Yeah, man. Spike Lee just said, uh, do your own thing. Oh, that's do awesome. the right thing. Do the right thing. And he was like, I got this. Italian pizza parlor owner? Right. Yes. No problem. All right. So let's, uh, who else? Oh. <laughs> Olympia Dukakis? This you... was Olympia Dukakis's breakout role. Yeah, which is weird at 70 to have your breakout role. Well, she was she... like 55. You know. <laughs> she played 70 in the movie, I think. Uh had to have been right. Yeah, I mean she'd been she'd been uh, a working actress uh, forever. Character actor. But um but this was the movie that sort of uh, thrust her into the public spotlight. She kind of seems to play very similar roles in a lot of the movies I've ever seen her in, like a sassy, quick-witted uh uh like el- a old elderly Dame Judi Dench. More like B Arthur, yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the, that that sort of tough uh no nonsense ethnic uh Grandma type vibe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stern. I, was, I, I lump her into the same category as like a Jessica Tandy or a, a Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. All actresses my mother and grandmother loved. Yeah, I was about to say. And did, did they have a, uh, a, a a personal affinity towards her because of her uh, background or Greekness? Absolutely. Okay. Sure. We have a little shrine to her Do you really? in the house. Yeah. With a Greek flag in the ba- like right behind it. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. <laughs> Take your octopus and throw it against rocks. Yeah, we've got three postcards of Santorini, mm. and we put those up, a Greek flag, and then a photo of Olympia Dukakis. Amazing. And one white and, and blue candle. That's outstanding. Oh, and uh, so there's a, there's a guy who I wanted to bring up. He has a small role in the film, but it, he's in it. Um, I think it's a significant role. It's John Mahoney. Mm-hmm. Is uh, <laughs> We've seen him before in our review of Say Anything. 
and he's also the dad from Frasier. Right. But uh, he's <clears throat> he's fantastic in this movie as the guy that gets uh, a drink splashed on him twice at the Italian it restaurant. It is twice, that's right, yeah. Grand I kind of thought I saw it over again, but it's twice. Um, yep, John Mahoney. Uh, what, what do we say? He was not at the apex of his career then yet, but he was on his <laughs> I think Frasier probably was. Anytime you get a uh, syndication sitcom, sorry, you, uh, you've made it. Now, uh, so let's hop into like this, uh, into share. Right. Okay. We haven't even discussed share. We haven't even discussed share. It's like we've, we've, we've tiptoed around the, uh, the diva elephant in the room. The, yeah. The 10,000 pound elephant. The 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 great white shark of the film. Apex predator. She is 100% the apex predator. She was really, really, really good in this movie. She was, uh, you know, I. A revelation, some might say. Yeah. For, for this guy right here. Yeah. I had no idea that she was such a great actress. Really good. I mean, tremendous. Like, like, I thought that because um, the share I knew was from uh, singing. Uh, do you, do you believe in uh, life after love? I think it's just do you believe in love? And yeah, that was years later. Yes, I yeah. remember her from Sunny and Bono and Half Breed. She had, she had a song called Half Breed uh-huh. based on her ethnic background. Fun, right? Yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah, she's been she's been kicking around for fifty years doing this. Was she the first of the one named stars? She was. She was the the er diva. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, she was, we're just rock solid in this role, like, very really li- likable. Uh, I liked her character. Also, not that old, when you think about it. Like, I guess that the idea of being 40 and being the leading lady in Hollywood was, was a big deal, but, um, by, by today's standards, it's like everyone is, everyone's older now. All right. Uh, for one, and then, uh, well, we, we stay younger, longer. Right. Especially uh, in the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all have smooth brains. Yeah, this is one of the most, uh, I think, the, the best uh, representation of what an actual woman would be like <laughs> the, of, of the movies we've watched. Uh, yeah. It's just a strong, strong-minded, like, you know. So I like the character of Loretta. Uh, yeah. One thing yeah. I really liked was that she had a uh, job that I totally understood. You know, she was a bookkeeper. Yeah, you get that and, job? And uh, I get that. I mean, I understand that job. It seems like a real job that uh, human beings have. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a lot of the films about New York City, we get a protagonist who is trying to uh, make it in the city as a publisher or as a journalist. Oh, yeah. This or is a very grassroots... PR uh, or advertising. And those aren't real jobs. Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, you can make money doing it and definitely make a lot of money doing it, but who knows what, what it really entails. Whereas right. with a bookkeeper, she has a very solid, um, easy-to-understand, palatable mar- profession. Just very, like, uh, you know, middle class. Because it takes yeah. place in Brooklyn. It's not like a Manhattan love story about what you just said. It's just, you know, it's like a, a real deal. And she doesn't have any anxieties about what uh, she's going to be in life. Yeah, uh, she is what she is. She is what she is. It, they're, they're, it's it's lacking the sort of um, how do I juggle my career and right. my family and my social life right. uh, that a lot of uh, like female protagonists in movies have. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, they're either doing something sort of grandiose or it's like a fan- fantasy story where it's like uh, you know Jennifer Lopez is a maid who falls in love <laughs> with like some, you know like some other horseshit ass plot line. <laughs> So this is a real. Uh, it just felt honestly like I'd like to use the word authentic, <laughs> but it felt it felt, it felt real. authentic. Yeah, I was about to say it's like a fucking Olive Garden commercial. Like it felt uh, real. It felt real. When you're watching this movie, you're watching it with yeah. family. Yeah. When you 
<laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah, so there, it, it, this is something that I think about too. Like, in even in dating, uh, it's interesting to. I've never dated a widow, mm. but um, like a mother or someone who has been divorced, mm-hmm. uh, they're they've kind of like lost the anxiety around what they're what role they're supposed to have in life because they've already experienced life. Right. They've had a they've had um a better way to put identifying it is, uh, like what what is it? They've seen the other side of the rainbow, I guess is the way <laughs> to put it, you know. Yeah. So Cher's character in this is is more of a realist in that she has already loved and lost. Right. And she has kind of reached the the apex of her job as a bookkeeper. And so correct, you know. That's what she's. That's who she is. Now that she's is, just. That's it. Now she's just living her life. It's just this is just her life day to day, and it's not depressing. No, it just is. It just is. She's got a good family unit around her. Like seems comfortable. It's good. She's hell yeah. Yeah. There's no. This is not the. the again, that's a, a good reason why I really like this movie. Just it's a straight shooter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so yeah, the, the movie takes place in Brooklyn Heights. And Brooklyn Heights, if you aren't familiar with New York, is one of the most expensive neighborhoods in all of Brooklyn. A, a beautiful neighborhood. Uh, yeah. So uh, a, a little unrealistic, at least in 2017, that this family would live there. Yeah. But at the time, I guess New York was still kind of climbing out of a crime wave. Uh, 87, I feel like they were still in it. Yeah. Depending on what, what, what area you were in. Uh, that being said, though, <laughs> it's not a very ethnically diverse film. No. It's an ethnic movie about Italian-American New Yorkers. Yeah. But uh, ne- never do you see any black people. You don't see any Puerto Ricans. You any don't Asians. see any, any Latinos at all. No Asians, Latinos, yeah. Or Jews. Yeah, this is basically, like I said before, it's like an <laughs> Italian Woody Allen movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just Other than the one major ethnic minority group, there is none other. It's like girls... But, but but for a multi-generational Italian family? Yeah, exactly. Paisanas. Let, let's get into this uh, actual movie, the plot, and some scenes. Correct. And honestly, before we get into like the big scenes that I wanted to talk about with you, um, we, we, have, we, have to, we have to set the table a little bit. And uh, one of the first scenes where we meet Cher is uh, at uh, Grand Casino with Danny Aiello, and he proposes to her. But we see right away that she is uh, cool as a cucumber and a little bossy. Yep. You know, he... Just like her mother. <laughs> uh-huh. Honestly. Uh-huh. They're both no... They're no nonsense. Nope. What I like is there's an absence of neuroses to these characters. Yeah. The the women are very calm in this movie. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, she says, okay, well, if you, want, if you want to propose to me, you got to get down on your knees. Uh, you got to give me a ring. And then she accepts. And so that's the, that sets the stage for the rest of the film, is that she accepts. Right. Uh, and then um, the first real big scene that uh, is worth talking about is when she goes to meet um, Ronnie, Danny Aiello's brother. Right, at the, at, at the, at the family bakery, Camarillo yes. Bakery. Nicholas Cage. And then the, 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 the first time we see him uh, in the basement, he's uh, sweaty. In a wife beater, mm-hmm. uh, covered in soot. Yep, uh, wearing gloves, throwing wood into a, a brick oven. Correct, like Roberta's in Bushwick. Right. Very authentic. <laughs> yeah, authentico. 
and he's uh, he's the opposite of what we've seen with uh, Danny Aiello so far. Right. Who's kind of a, a bumbling... Misogynistic, uh, <laughs> you know, guy. 42-year-old yeah, man. Mama's boy. Yeah, exact mama's a boy. Bu- a bumbling, misogynistic uh, mama's boy. Italian mama's boy. Who's, who's running off to Sicily to hang out with his mother on her, de- on her deathbed. Right. And uh, Nicolas Cage is, uh, he, he, he smolders on screen. He was, uh, yeah, great. Right off the bat. Full of anger. So she, well, yeah, so let's get to that little subplot. She's there to smooth things out and to invite him to their wedding. Uh, his brother, played by Daniello, and Cher's wedding. To sort of, you know, they didn't have a great relationship between the two brothers, Ronnie and Johnny. Yeah, we don't <laughs> uh, know why. Well, he kind of gets into it here, right? Yes. This is uh, transformative. So she tells him that she wants to invite him to the wedding. It's important to his brother if he shows up. So what happened was they had the family business where sort of Aiello kind of ran the books or, you know, was like the fiscal proprietor. Sure. Right? And uh, he was the, the, and Nick Cage was kind of the talent, the bread-making, pizza-making, bakery talent. Yeah. Um, So at one point uh, there was, you know, an issue and Danny Aiello distracted Nicolas Cage who got his hand burnt or cut in the oven. Mm-hmm. Lost uh, his lost fingers. Lost his hand, his fingers, and ended up uh, losing the girl he was dating who he was going to marry. Because she didn't want to marry a freak. A cripple. Yeah. Someone um, who's been maimed. Yeah. So he obviously never forgave his brother. A lot of anger issues. Uh, felt like his life was ruined. And sort of t- says, and, and, you know, without mincing words, that he was unhappy and miserable. Yeah. It was a miserable existence. It's weird that he blames his brother for that, though. I mean, it's it's more like that his life has been uh, uh, bad luck, right? Or um, spited, and so he he doesn't want anyone else to feel joy, <laughs> rather than that his brother was actually personally responsible for his right. Well, it's always easier to blame others, isn't it? So uh, so that's the first scene where, and and even if you just find the scene on YouTube, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah. And uh, Nicolas Cage uh, hits a lot of levels yep. in his acting. Well, uh, during this scene, at first, I thought he was just doing like a like a low rent Brando, right? <laughs> but uh, then he gets a little bit more histrionic and starts shouting at his wooden hand. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Also, uh, a long line of uh, villains with uh, with fake hands. This is true. Going back to Captain Hook. Yep. Uh, Darth Vader, and uh, Luke Skywalker. Well, Luke didn't wasn't a villain, but that sort of losing his hand right. represented him uh, uh, flirting with the dark side. Also, the uh, Woody Harrelson character, Roy Munson from uh, Kingpin. Get out of here. He <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a villain, but he kind of was, and he wasn't. That's true. Le- uh, losing a hand can be can be the start. Yeah. Of uh, of a great narrative. A, t- yeah, a tyrannical uh, spot down spiral. So uh, Nick Nick Cage is is the the smoldering. Uh, one-handed rogue in this film. Yeah. And we see that uh, that he actually has a fan club. There's two, two, two girls. Oh, yeah, the two, the, the bakery uh, cashier. Yeah, two girls with crimped hair and oh. turtlenecks. One who's, like, madly in love with him, but can't say anything? Yeah. What did she say? Why, why couldn't she say anything? Because he's already been hurt. That's right. Now, after, after this first uh, very combustible meeting... They decide that they're going to go get some drinks together at her house. Like she feels bad for everything and, you know, yeah, likes she, him. He's a good, she, good she, decent guy. She cooks him a steak. That's right. Yeah. Now we got a, uh, there's a couple different, um, uh, 
different things that come up throughout the film that different characters talk about. One is the concept of men as wolves, and another is uh, the moon. The moon is a, it, it comes up right. as a device multiple times in this film. And so whenever the moon's around, uh, there's a chance that people are going to fall in love. Right. Because the moon is, is like a MDMA and Viagra rolled into one. Right. Na- natural, all natural. Yes. Melatonin. And that men are wolves. And they're always chasing, chasing after prey. Right. And Nicolas Cage is uh, very wolf-like in this. He's, yes. got, he's got some lamb chops and he's got uh, his hair's all... Chest hair. Yeah, he's just a swarthy dude. Yeah. So uh, Cher uh, cooks him up a big uh, steak. He wants it well done. She cooks it for him medium rare. Because she wants blood to get in your blood. Yeah, that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was cool. So it's a great way to make a wolf horny. So mm. throw him some raw meat. Interesting little plate of food. You just had a half rare steak and uh, just pa- pa- plain <laughs> pasta, plain noodles. Uh, they, they drink some uh, whiskey together and uh, they, they have a little back and forth. Uh, that that ends up with him uh, grabbing her, uh, picking her up, and taking her to the bedroom. Right. Where she puts up uh, not even a tiny bit of a fight. Right. That's how much she is true to Danny Aiello. Yeah. Well, she doesn't even really like that much. Right. Yeah, he was, Danny Aiello, what we see is he was the safe bet. Right. You know, um, he he was a continuation of life as it was progressing. Also kind of a dick, what, what he said. He's like, he watches that, you know, John Mahoney's character get a uh, glass of water thrown in his face, and he goes, the man can't control his woman. <laughs> what, 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 what lady doesn't like to hear that? <laughs> Their potential husband. And, uh, I mean, uh, this, uh, I love uh, John Mahoney in this film. Uh, he, he plays the character of an NYU um, professor mm-hmm. of communications. Right. And... He is at Grand Casino, the same restaurant, um, at, twice in this, but it's implied that this happens to him all the time, yeah. where he gives uh, unsolicited advice to a young woman who's sitting with him at the table. She gets up and pours her drink on him and then storms out. Right. And so it, he is, uh, it, it's like Groundhog Day, where he constantly dates women who are much younger than him that look up to him. Right. And then the moment they get disillusioned with him, they uh, they splash him, get him wet, and then run off. It's a running joke. And he always has like a little one-line quip to uh, sort of take the edge off when everyone's staring at him. And he gets like a good laugh out of it. And she sits yeah. back down. Hey, thanks, Carl. Like, can you remove all memories uh, and reminders of her being here? Yeah. And bring me a, a tall vodka. Yep. A big glass of vodka, he says. Mm-hmm. Not a big glass of milk, big glass of vodka. That's what you need. Um, yes. Oh, so now Cher is in a conundrum. Right. Because she slept with her fiancé's brother. Which is, uh, scandalous. Not great. What a taboo. Right. You know, keeping it, you you, you wanna, you don't wanna shit so close to where you eat. Uh, According to Olivia Dukakis, that was a great line, by the way. She's like, I got a sag for you, you wanna hear it? And he goes, yeah, don't shit where you eat. Like, it was like, like she was the first person to coin that term. (laughs) Uh, so we see, though, that not um, Cher isn't the first person in her family to uh, have, like, an infidelity like this. Like, her dad is actually out, and he is having an affair with a, with a busty uh, redhead. Mm. Uh, giving her gifts. He's giving her bracelets with uh, stars on them. And, uh, and she's got a fur coat when she gets out of his car. So it's implied, I think, that he also purchased that for her. Mm, okay. The dad, Cosmo, um, he's having affairs, and Olympia Dukakis knows about it. How does she find out? Is, is there ever like a, a telling 
I mean, she doesn't. We know that she knows somehow, but we don't know why. I think she just knows because he he's out late. Yeah. Also, they've been married for you know however long, so they know. Right, and he's not tu- he's not touching her. That's right. You know, she's in bed, like fully clothed in a in a in a long, flowy, uh, shapeless nightgown. You know, this is true. not not really, and they they don't really have any affection towards each other <laughs> in the early scenes at all, right? Also, it's got to be a boner killer to have an old man living in your house too. Like Cosmo's dad lives there as well, yeah. so uh, something that you would never see in The Sopranos, where like multiple generations of Italians living in the same house, right? But well, here, the dad, uh, the dad's dad, the grandpa lives upstairs with like fifteen dogs. Yeah, right. Um, and then just his his joy in life is taking them out on late night walks and looking at the uh, Bella Luna. Yes, which, uh, to, which tr- to translate is beautiful moon, which might be the only time he gets a boner. Uh, if he gets one, yeah, he's based on the magic around. He's super old, yeah. <laughs> moonstruck. Um, so let's jump into the next sort of uh, pivotal scene, which is uh, the next. Oh well, I think one of the coolest scenes is the the last scene in the film. Okay. I mean, that's that's the one that I like the most, but hold on a second. Oh, how could I forget? The most uh, interesting scene after this is when they go to the opera, because Nicolas Cage says, uh, there are two things I love, you and opera. Right. And I want to have both of them happen on the same night. And yep. if I have you at the opera, then I can die a happy man, and I'll leave you alone. And sort of like a... Sort of defines him as a character because he's operas are usually sad stories about tragic, you know, tragedies and fl- and flawed people. Yeah. Uh, so lots of melodrama. Lots of melodrama. So he's he's in that. And he his acting style has been described by others as operatic. Oh really? Yes. Oh, according the to top. the Wikipedia page. Interesting. Uh, so they go they go to Lincoln Center. Yep. To the opera. They dress up fancy. Cher goes through a trans. She has a transformation. Gets rid of the gray hairs. Gets a blowout. An eighties blowout. Yeah, the gray hairs are fine. Yeah, I like the gray hairs. Yeah, you know, but you know, she, she look, went for she, uh, jet black. She looked great. She looked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go to the opera. She weeps openly during the, you know, performance, uh, and then they're sort of. Uh, was it the intermission? No, mm-hmm. it was the end. No, there's always. Uh, I know. I've been to the opera there before. Yeah. At the Met, and you do, they have an intermission halfway through. Okay. So that's when everybody can get drinks. And yeah. Really, oh, that's when they make their real money on beverages. Yeah. Yeah. That's during true. the break. That's, yeah. Plus, operas are like four and a half hours long. Yeah. I mean, you, need a, you need a diaper if, you're, if you don't have a break. <laughs> you got to go like uh, astronaut style. Right. Um, so the intermission, they're having a couple of drinks, talking about life. That's and... right. And lo and behold, who is there? Oh. <gasps> It's the dad. Cosmo is there on a date with, with his Gumar. Mona. <laughs> That's right, with his mistress. Yep. And uh, they're both looking good. They're looking like 10000 bucks a piece. Easily. So we know that at some point these two couples are going to bump into one another. And uh, Cher and her dad uh, do. And he is, he's wondering why she's there. Uh, you know, what, while her fiancé is in Sicily, and he asks her why he's there, and, um, you know, at first he thinks she's being, she's being a whore, but once she points out the hypocrisy of him being there as well, he backs off. Yeah, he's completely in the wrong. 
And now they're in an uncomfortable situation because, like, can she keep this from Olympia Dukakis? Right. Can she keep this from her mom? Will she keep Daddy's secret? Daddy, I mean, basically, he said, uh, you know, let's, let's... He's like, I never saw you here. She's like, I don't know what I just saw here. Yeah. And, and concurrently, uh, Olympia Dukakis is talking to John Mahoney's character. Mm-hmm. She's having dinner with him, and they're getting along. Well, she's having dinner at Grand Casino by herself. Yep. And uh, the, the thing that always happens to John Mahoney happens... And a young woman uh, pours a drink on him, storms out, and Olympia Dukakis invites him to sit with her and asks him, why men chase women? Correct. Why do men chase women? Why do we chase women? Oh, because we're all scared we're going to die. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I know, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's the feel-good answer for, for this film. Yeah, that's true. I don't know why, that, why she came up with that reason. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's like uh, middle-aged dudes. You know, they see their mortality around the corner, and uh, they just want, who knows, another victory. They want to feel young. Right. Some some degree of spontaneity. Or maybe just, just to add some drama to life. Way more biological and primal than we think it is. Yeah. I can't explain it. I just do it. Yeah, it's like old monkeys like young monkeys. Bingo. So, um, so they go on a walk together, right. and uh, John Mahoney is, is really trying, man. Yeah, he's he trying is. to seal the deal. He's spitting a lot of game. He's 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 keeping it crisp. He's got a <laughs> he's got a crisp mouthpiece. He's uh he's he's talking to her, chatting. He's using every uh, mystery method technique he can, mm-hmm. and he gets her back to the steps of her brownstone, and he asks to go come in. Uh, then he he pulls the I'm cold, I'm shivering. Can I just get something warm in your apartment? And she doesn't. She bats him away yep. in all of his advances. Smartly. Uh, but along the way, the father, the grandfather, who's walking a dog. Cosmo's dad. Yes. He sees uh, the two of them walking uh, arm in arm. Mm. And, uh, I mean, that's almost, uh, in Sicilian fashion, that's almost grounds for an honor killing. <laughs> <laughs> like, if they were in the old country, if they were in Palermo, she'd be stoned. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, we're in <laughs> progressive 1987 New York. Yeah. So he just let it pass. He, yeah, just gave like an unapproving glance, stare, and then you know John Mahoney asked if she knew him, and she just simply said yes. <laughs> Didn't no, no further discussion. But there's needed. that's the you know I, I think this goes back to the don't shit where you eat. Oh yeah, you know if you live in Brooklyn Heights, you you should com- commute to the South Bronx if you want to have an affair. If you want to have an affair, you don't just walk down the streets. I mean, I'll, I'll think about it this way: it's like a close tied family setting, a very Mediterranean uh, situation where you, you and I can both sort of agree with like. Old world style, like where family lives with family, no matter what happens, you know? That's right. You know? And uh, they all got caught stepping out. Every one of them. No one, no one was safe. <laughs> all within literally 20 minutes of each other in, in real life timing. So that's an interesting, you know... Yeah. But what I like is that uh, this movie doesn't devolve into like a lot of screaming and... There uh, is very little screaming for what people would deem like an Italian-American yeah. uh, love story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not that loud. No. This is the most subdued Super Italian quiet. family. Totally. Um, oh, and uh, Cher's accent, but we, we didn't really bring it up yet, but I, I love uh, the first few times that she talks, it reminds me of Sylvester Stallone. Kind of does. And yeah. same with Nick Cage, actually. I yeah. think they both just watched Rocky at nauseum <laughs> and then just belted this one out. Yeah, they were like, okay, we got to do our research. Oh, it's good money. And um, uh, the, la- the last scene of the film is, uh, I mean, you know, whatever, spoiler alert, but if you're listening to this, you've probably already seen Moonstruck. The last scene is is my favorite, where um, uh, a Cher uh, comes home 
uh, it's it's morning. Mm-hmm. Olympia Dukakis is hungover. They sit down together uh, to eat some breakfast, and um, then uh, oh, what happened? And then they they know Danny Aiello is showing up at any right, minute because he's back. Yes. And Cher is... So a miracle occurred. He's back from seeing his mother who miraculously recovered Yes, from from her deathbed in Sicily. So he's coming back early. Right. So she thought she had uh, a month to work it out and like get her story down pat or decide whether she was going to break up with Danny Aiello. Right. Um, But, you know, because of circumstances, uh, the timeline has been cut incredibly short (laughs) to the next 40 minutes, figure out what you're going to do. How are you going to resolve this conflict? Because she has slept with uh, Nicolas Cage now and uh, is in love with him. Yep. Never in love with each other. Boom. Uh, And it all happened over the course of a day. Literally a day. So uh, exactly one day. Where the moon hits your eye like a giant pizza pizza pie. pie. There you go. Um, So what happens is she's home making breakfast. Nicolas Cage rings on the doorbell. He shows up. Yep. Uh, Cosmo, the dad, sits down. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The grandpa comes in, uh, Grandpa tells Cosmo to, to man up and be a good father and pay for his, uh, his daughter's, daughter's wedding. wedding. Yep. Cosmo says yes, so the conflict between the grandpa and the dad is reconciled immediately. Uh, now we're having an awkward uh, breakfast of steel-cut oatmeal. And be- <laughs> steel-cut passion. And steel-cut passion, everyone is... everyone. It's a Mexican standoff, because yeah. everyone's got a secret on everyone else at the table. Right. And they could all and they're, it's all the same once. secret. They've all do, been doing the same thing. Yeah. So they're all doing what Tone Loke would call the wild thing, right? But with uh, people they're not supposed to. So Danny Aiello basically comes in. Well, bef- right before he comes oh, okay. in, yeah, continue. The most beautiful, the most beautiful part of this uh, film, uh, from my point of view, is like you know when you're old, you probably have had you're going to have infidelities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, monogamy is an ideal. I assume for most of the world, it's. I don't know if if everyone can keep this promise, right? But Olympia Dukakis and um, and and Cosmo, the the characters of Cher's mom and dad, uh, clearly love each other, and they've got a good family unit. Um, but uh, but he's been messing around, you know. He's he's got his mistress, yeah. And uh, Olympia Dukakis, she says, "I know about your mistress. Uh, get rid of her." And he, she just says this in front of, like, the whole family. Yeah. You need to stop seeing her. And he, first he slams his hand on the table, and we're, and we're like, oh, snap, there's going to be drama. But then he just says, okay. And that's it. Yep. That's how you resolve a conflict. Amazing. You ask for something. You get it. You get it. And then, uh, and then, she, and then he says, uh, you know, she says, your life wasn't meaningless. And then he says, I love you, I think. I mean, it was in Italian. That's just what I uh, assume he mm-hmm. said. And uh, the conflict is resolved. And it's also a lesson to share. Because in the next few moments, she is also going to have to tell the truth in public. So that was like just a beautiful lesson that her parents uh, imparted upon her, you know, through, uh, through their own actions. Get it out there. Conflict resolution. Uh, so Danny Aiello walks in, almost directly after, right? Yeah. Uh, and he's back from Sicily, and I think uh, he's surprised to see his brother there, and he's happy, he thinks they're going to reconcile, and he goes, did you come to, you know, make make amends? And he could, yep, but he's talking about something obviously completely different. Cher stands up, and he's like, can we talk uh, in another room? She goes, no, I want my family here, but I have something to tell you. 
So they're about to say about, you know, basically spill the beans about their relationship when Danielle tells her that he can't marry her because uh, it will kill her, his mother. <laughs> <laughs> which, um, is, uh, which is a, gra- a great save. A great save. Which is amazing because everything is no must, no fuss here. This is the least uh, amount of resistance I've ever seen anyone getting out of three cheating relationships. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I guess that's why it's a comedy. Yeah, that's why it's a comedy. It's like uh, yeah. it's every everything works out in the end, and there are no consequences Zero. for anyone's actions. Like their lives worked out better because they were all cheating. <laughs> like honestly, it was easier to come to come by. <laughs> so lesson lesson learned uh, <laughs> from from, moon, from yeah. Moonstruck. If you live in Dumbo, you should probably cheat <laughs> and blame it on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> this is the moon. This movie actually doesn't paint men in a very good light at all, with the exception of like you know Nicolas Cage's character being redeemable. One of them's a mama's boy. The dad's just a two timer. Yeah, who wants to get angry and say no, but he already knows everyone knows. So right. what's the point? And uh, uh, once you become an old old man, you just start you hoarding, just, hoarding canines. You hoard canines and you walk dogs and you howl at the moon because you've, you've, you've <laughs> dementia. Uh, yeah, and uh, but it, it, the, I think the heartwarming um, final moment. Is Danny Aiello in, in? If I had written this movie, he would have walked out and come back with a with a small firearm and just like <laughs> taken out everybody in that Scorsese style in taxi driver or <laughs> then, in the back of the cab and then just offed himself. Yeah, and uh, or tried to, but that would have the gun would have been out of bullets right. when the cops show up. Exactly, very much like taxi driver. Uh, nothing left in the chamber. Yep. But this film, we've got Danny Aiello just sitting in the corner. Uh, while everyone else is about to uh, toast champagne. You're making champagne cocktails with the sugar. Yeah, which is so gross. Uh, it's more common. It's actually... Uh, it just sounds like you're accelerating the hangover. You're supposed to put bitters in there, too. Great. To take that away. Anyway. Yeah. It's a pro hack. Some of that... Uh, pro some, tip. <laughs> some of that bartending uh, hacking right there. Um, but but maybe, maybe it was that the grandfather had lived so long, he knew that if you didn't make peace with the brother... Uh, he would have become a spree killer. <laughs> he did also say, Danielle, in the very beginning, is, she goes, uh, five years is far too long for there, be, there to be bad blood between brothers. Yes. So he, you know. He, he was knew. ready to, to mend, he wanted mend it the to, fences. Yeah. But, the, um, but the grandpa, he goes, he goes you, have to, you have to toast with us. You have to toast with us. You're yeah. a part of the family now. Exactly. And uh, they bring him into the fold. Right. And so now, once he has his own infidelities in life, he'll, he'll continue to be accepted by this Exactly. Group he of has people. to have at least a couple of cheating scenarios in order for them to respect him <laughs> and be honest with him. You have to be dishonest to gain honesty. Yeah. To get to that point. Um, so, huh. pretty smooth resolution in it there at the end. I don't know how many life lessons it's going to teach you, but it, it's a good movie to watch. Uh, if any, I mean, okay. So takeaways for me were that I really wasn't familiar with Cher as an actress at all. Yeah. And after this film, I went back and I looked at her Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. and I um, I'm probably gonna check out one or two albums on Spotify. There you go. Yeah. What other movies was she in? I don't I don't even remember. She was in Mask with Eric. Stokes. Oh right, yeah, the mom of the the kid with the the, with the, the issues el- with elephant face. Elephant face. Elephant tight is the face. And uh, she was also in Suspect with Liam Neeson. And uh, she's been, I mean, she's, she has a filmography. It's, it's pretty big. But more than, I mean, she's got over 20 albums, like yeah. studio albums. Oh, yeah. No, so I mean, she spends that, her that's time. That's obviously most well known for being a musician. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to uh, be accomplished at one of those things. And for her to have made some hard-hitting movies and continue to make music. Triple threat. Yeah. 
Um, beast, beast mode. I mean, she won an Oscar. She won an Oscar for this. I'm gonna say yes. Let, let's just say yes. She's in a film called Burlesque Mask. Yeah, Mermaids. That was the movie I was thinking of. And yeah. The Witches of Eastwick. Uh, so takeaways: um, share, good actress, uh, still kicking it uh, in her forties at the time of this film as hot. Yeah, very hot. Uh, Nicholas Cage in one of his early performances, uh, smoldering on screen, mm-hmm. uh, dynamic. You can see why he's a star. Right. And uh, this is a feel-good romp that you can see with the whole family. Right. About cheating. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like a feel-good movie about infidelity. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, nobody's perfect. Nobody is. Which but is, if you're Italian, you're more perfect. Which is pretty true. <laughs> yeah, she won uh, three of the major four American Entertainment Awards. Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Yeah. That's a pretty pretty crazy statistic. Cool. Well, guys, that was uh, this week's episode of Eat, Pray, Judge. That uh, was Moonstruck. Moonstruck. We did it. We did it, man. See you next time. <laughs>